0: I'm excited about this. Um, Glad Tidings, this will be the fifth year, I think, that um, Glad Tidings is participating in the Shoebox uh, ministry opportunity through Samaritan's Purse. And my best estimation, the church here has sent overseas over 600 boxes in the past few years. And that is an amazing thing because those aren't just 600 boxes worth of little toys and school supplies, and maybe a shirt or a pair of shoes, or you folks pack some amazing things. I have never seen so many things shoved into a shoebox. You are talented. But it's not just those shoeboxes, because eventually the toothpaste runs out, and eventually the soap is finished, and eventually there's no more ink in that pen. But because that box has also given that child an opportunity to go to classes and to take that greatest journey Um, through Samaritan's Purse, they have that opportunity to receive Christ and graduate and bring that message back to their families. And so those 600 boxes, if each one of those boxes went to a child for the first time, it is possible that thanks to you at Glad Tidings, there are over 600 children and their families that will be in heaven with us someday. And I, I want you to understand what a wonderful thing that is. And we have this opportunity again this year to do that. And so we were talking, the kids and I were having an excited conversation last week, right? We were trying to figure out what our goal should be, because we take our boxes very seriously in the children's department. And we were trying to figure out what they should be. And at some point, a congregation of 300 can only give so many boxes. And rather than, well, we did 320 last year, and do we say 330, 350? At some point, it seemed to be a silly round of numbers And we brought it to the staff meeting, and Pastor Selwyn had what I thought was a wonderful idea. This up here, by the way, was not a wonderful idea. No matter what Pastor Greg can do, I should not play with things on the stage. I do not do well with props, which is why Pastor Renny and Tim helped me this time. But our reveal, our big reveal of what our goal is this year is 300 plus one. You're clapping. That's good. So that does not mean 301. That does not mean 301. Pastor said this year, we're going to try and do those same boxes, each one of us in the congregation doing our box. And then we're going to take another box, and we're going to get someone within our sphere, within our friends, within our family, within our community, to pack a box as well. Because this isn't an exclusive Glad Tidings event. This is a worldwide event, and this is something that people who may not be ready to come to church may not have a background that leaves them comfortable with the idea of church. But the idea of putting some cute little things in a Christmas decorated box to send to underprivileged children around the world, most people can get behind that. And so this is your opportunity to do what you've done before, and we're so grateful for that. I can't wait to meet these children in heaven someday that we've had some interaction with because of these. But also to take an extra box and to invite someone to do that with you. So this is our 300 plus one campaign this year. So conceivably, we could have hundreds and hundreds of boxes on this platform and you still doing your part and and doing that extra evangelism as well. And I'd really like to invite you to, to take a hold of that. We have our boxes downstairs, but I have two boxes here that have little labels on it that say free shipping. And so Elijah and Serene are going to come up here. Elijah and Serene are going to come up here. And Serene is going to take one box on this side. And Elijah is going to take one box on this side. And the first person whose hand he sees that wants free shipping on their Operation Christmas Child box can have that box. You see? hands up. Nobody over here wants free shipping. There you go. Mama Bob wants free shipping on her box. (laughs) So we're just excited. There's lots and lots of boxes downstairs. We have 200 of them. If you're the kind of person who likes to make your own and make it pretty and decorate it nice, I invite you to do that as well. But we are very excited. I'm also excited that for the first time, we're going to have the opportunity to have a little mini missions trip. And I've wanted to do this for many, for as long as we've Uh, been packing boxes, and the nearest distribution center is North Carolina, which is a daunting drive in December. It's a daunting drive in any month, Um, but we were going to go this year, and then I was excited. We heard from the regional folks up in New York that they're opening a center in in Baltimore, which is better than North Carolina. So I've got room for seven people, actually six, because I had one person sign up for service, and we're going to get in the van and... Take a trip down there. Tentatively, the dates are the 10th through the 13th in December. I'm going to have some more information in two weeks when they open up the registration. But if this is something that you've been wanting to do a missions trip for a while and overseas is just more than you can picture yourself doing right now, and this is something that you can picture yourself doing for a few hundred dollars just to cover gas and tolls to go and volunteer in the distribution center and take the boxes that have come from churches like ours and pack them up and get ready to go overseas. So we're very excited about that, and we're looking forward to a great time this year. I am also excited that we do have two boxes that we get to start with right away. So when we were going to Haiti this year, Katie Gonzalez sent me a box of beautiful, beautiful things for her child, and it came about a day too late. And we had already gone, and she said, Beth, that's all right, you pack some Christmas boxes for me and I'll have the first one. So I'm excited to say we have our first two towards our 300 plus one goal from the Gonzales family. So I'm excited for that this morning. And as we get ready to, to go into to the school year, and we have, I, I love how God creates these new beginning places for us. He has, in January, we start all over again. On a Sunday morning, we start all over again with the week. And for those of us who still live on a school calendar, in September we start all over again. And I had asked the children to stay up for a few extra minutes. And what I'd like to do right now is just to take a few minutes and have the children come up, but I don't want them to come up alone. If your child is here, you're in here somewhere, I'd like to invite the parents, if you would stand right now. And let's just make it easier on everybody. If, if, if we could all stand. And parents, come get your child up here, and let's just come across the front I'm going to pray over these children before they start their school year. So the kids are going to come. If you're someone in the church who maybe you don't have your own children, but you work on Wednesday nights, you work with the youth, you work in the nursery or the toddler department, please come up as well so we can pray over for you. So kids, come on up. Your parents, come on up. This side is open too. And just for a moment... Isn't this beautiful? Hi, honey. So find your kids and come on up here for just a minute. You can keep going down the end. If you work with our kids, Corey and Rob, come on up behind them too. This is why I get up on Sunday mornings. These beautiful children and their parents here, um, these are the kids that we get to minister to downstairs, and I just appreciate them and their families so much. So if you would reach out your hands to them, and folks, grab a hold of your own little one there, or your big one. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you so much for this new year, for new beginnings that you give us. You say that your mercies are renewed every morning, and great is your faithfulness. And we thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. I thank you for the families that are here, for every child in the nursery, in the toddler room, and crash kids, in the teen class, Lord, in the, in the youth group, and then moving on into the, the young adult. Father, I thank you for the youth of this church, and I thank you that the Bible is full of places and ways and stories where you have used children, and that you don't need us to grow up before you can use us. And so, Father God, I pray that you will just keep your hand on every child, particularly school-aged children here today, Lord, that as they go to meet new friends and new teachers and new experiences, Lord, that people around them will know that there's something special to them because they radiate your love. And Father, for these precious families, I pray that you will, we know that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Lord, Satan has no place in our lives and near us, and he cannot touch us, Lord, and we thank you for your protection. I thank you that this altar is full of families and children who will not have to have some testimony later on, Lord of how they've had to be brought back from a different life, but that this group right here, right now, their testimony will be that you have kept me my whole life that I was saved, that I was baptized, and that I have followed you every day of my life. And that's what we pray over these children today, that you will protect their families and the employment and the finances and all that they need, Lord, to raise these precious children. And Father God, I pray for the men and the women who take care of our children, the ladies in the nursery and the toddler room, and the men and women who work all throughout the building with all the age groups. Bless them to overflowing, Lord. And we thank you for this and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, folks. Our kids group is going to go ahead and go downstairs now. up at the stage here as well, it is nice to see how many parents there are, not only here with their kids, but as workers as well. And I appreciate them so much, as well as those who don't have any kids of their own who work um, regularly for us, and we're so thankful for that. In the staff, we've been going through the book, The Purpose Driven Church, by Rick Warren, and I know that the church here had the opportunity to read The Purpose Driven Life not that long ago. And if you're someone who enjoys Rick Warren, it is, it is an excellent book. Um, it's not just necessarily for people running or administrating the church, but as you read through The Purpose Driven Church, it, it really is inspiring to see the things that he has done with his congregation that you can read and you can see um, have so many parallels to glad tidings. But he talks about how strong biblical structure and leadership in a church leads to a church being five things— And the first one is warmer through fellowship, deeper through discipleship, stronger through worship, broader through ministry, and larger through evangelism. Last year, during the small group leadership time, I talked about the warmer through fellowship, the idea that we do grow stronger and we do grow in our Christianity by our fellowship. And that coffee and cake after church or a potluck isn't just about food, it's about fellowship. And the stronger our ties are to each other, the stronger our relationship can be to the Lord as well. And today I want to talk about the second one, which is growing deeper through discipleship. Again, knowing that the stronger we are together, or individually rather as disciples, the stronger we are as a church, and that you're not just alone in your Christian walk, and what you do has an effect on all of us around you. And the stronger you are, the stronger the church is. Holman's Bible Dictionary defines a disciple as a follower of Jesus, but the Latin roots talk about being a learner or a pupil. In the Greek world, a disciple was an adherent of a particular teacher or a religious school. In the New Testament, it was synonymous with the word apostle, and it was used usually to refer to the 12 disciples. The way the word disciple is used in the Great Commission in, in Matthew 28 It's a generalized term for those who came to know Jesus in faith. And it eventually just became synonymous with being a disciple. The word apostle is derived from a Greek word that means one who is sent. Commonly referred to either the original disciples. Also, it could refer to a person who is sent out from their local church to give gifts to another church. And finally, it can mean those who Jesus has sent. And I want to make a distinction this morning between the word disciple and apostle. And not that it is an either-or by any means, but that disciple is a follower of Jesus. And I'd like to see us talk about moving from being a follower of Jesus to also one that is ready for Jesus to send out. And there is nothing minimalized whatsoever about being that disciple of Christ but to go from just following him to being ready to have him send us out and to have our church be deeper through that discipleship that we go through. But it's fine to say, well, okay, I'm ready for God to send me out, but what does that mean? What is he sending me out with? And if you turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 4, there's a fairly well-known passage of scripture there that I'd like to read to you. So, if you have your Bible with you, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read verses 7 through 14. So, Ephesians 4 7 through 14 says, But to each one of us, grace has been given, as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. I'm going to skip to verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles. and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful schemes. That's a mouthful. But as I was reading through this, and I've certainly read these verses before, it reminded me, as we're talking about disciples and then reading that verse about being tossed back and forth on the waves, it, it did remind me of the twelve disciples and the parallels between those disciples and those of us in church today. Jesus to- chose those twelve from a great variety of backgrounds. Some of them were educated, some not. Some of them came from privilege, some not. Definitely a mixed group of people. And they started out as infants almost. If you read through the Gospels and you read the stories, as far as their behavior was concerned, they would get frustrated with the crowds, send them away, having no patience with the little children, fighting over who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom, and being so afraid as they were literally tossed around by the waves on the Sea of Galilee. Their courage failed them at times, their determination failed them at times, and their people skills failed them at times. But they were Jesus' disciples, and he loved them. Disciples, they were people who followed Jesus. And you are his disciples, and he loves you. And you can see from looking around the room that we come from a great and wonderful number of backgrounds and places. And God has chosen us to be in this place today. But just as those disciples needed to go through the maturity to be ready to be sent out, we need to do that same thing. And after Jesus' ascension into heaven and the receiving of the Holy Spirit, nothing was ever the same for them. If you think about those stories, I think it's easy to be critical of the disciples now when you read it because you know the whole story. You know how it ends. You can see in hindsight what they should have figured out for themselves. But they didn't have the New Testament to look at when they were living those lives. And they went from people who couldn't stay awake with Jesus a few hours to pray with him in the garden and people who ran away at the nearest sign of the Roman soldiers coming and who deserted Jesus over and over and over again and hid in that upper room, waiting for the sound of the soldiers to, to come and get them. That was the, the end of their disciple-only road. And the power of the Holy Spirit changed that for them, and Jesus turned them into apostles. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, they went from cowering in a room to standing out in the middle of the square where they could easily have been arrested by the people they were hiding from just a few days earlier, proclaiming the gospel. That was the change that Jesus made in them, and that's the change that he wants to make in us. Giving the disciples the great commission and the power of the Holy Spirit helped to transform them into the apostles that we know. The apostles who traveled and they preached, they performed miracles, And they spread the gospel around the world after that. Many of them dying martyrs' deaths. And God brought them all that way into that maturity. And here at Glad Tidings, we have exciting things coming in our future as well. The church has been here for over 85 years, and God has done great and marvelous things at Glad Tidings over that period of time. But he's not done. There was no shelf life to Glad Tidings. We're not nearing the end of an era. He has great and exciting things. Not the kind of excitement that you'd get from a roller coaster at Six Flags, but the excitement of the future. Another 85, 95, 100 years if if Jesus tarries and doesn't come back. The pastors here have been preaching about the Holy Spirit throughout the summer, and I trust that you've had new experiences with the Holy Spirit during these weeks. And if for some reason you've missed some of those services or you've been away, I really encourage you to go to the website and to the media player and you can hear all of those sermons that you've missed to make sure that you have listened to those sermons on the Holy Spirit and getting ready for what God has for us. He's already begun to raise the level of your maturity in Christ. And I know that the group of people at Glad Tidings that I'm looking at, you are already in a place of maturity, many of you in your walk with Jesus. You've walked with him for many years. And there's nothing in, in the message this morning that is meant to take away from that. It's meant to encourage you that there's always someplace deeper. There's always someplace more mature that God wants to take you. And the Holy Spirit is there for that reason. You have to think and pray about what God is saying to you because what he's saying to you is going to be different than your neighbor. It might be different than your spouse. It might be different than the other people in your family. It might be different from the people in your small group. Where does he want to push you? Where does he want to pull you? How does he want to place you? He wants you to be ready to be sent out, sent out to your communities, sent out to your jobs to change the world. You can change the world. You have already changed the world with your missions giving. You have changed the world in packing these boxes. Some of you have changed the world by going on the missions trips. You have already changed the world. And God has more for us. This campaign here, be praying about who God wants you to ask to be your 300 plus one. That person that you can give that box to. That person that can come alongside of you while you're packing it. That person that you can invite to our dedication service you have a chance for that evangelism and and to go into your community. There were a whole lot of spiritual gifts that I read before, and there's more places in the New Testament that there are different lists. And which of them do you identify with? Has God called you to be a teacher or a pastor or an evangelist of some kind? Those are some of the scary ones. You might not think that that's what you see for yourself, how you envision yourself. And I can tell you from experience that you might think that there's something that God's called you to do and you've done that for a really long time. And that doesn't mean that that's where he's going to keep you. He might have a left turn for you. He might have a right turn for you. He might have something new for you, some new talent or gift that he wants to use you. There are other gift lists in the New Testament. If you look them up and they have to do with other different kinds of gifts and I'll just read them. The gift of utterance, power, revelation, prophecy, speaking in tongues, interpreting in tongues, faith, healing, miracles, word of knowledge, discerning, serving or helping, giving, encouragement, leadership, mercy. Those are all gifts that God gives to us. And not everyone to everyone, but he has given us these. And do you know what yours are? Do you assume that whatever you've been doing for a certain amount of time is where you're supposed to be? And I think we need to remember, and I think just by knowing the folks in the church here, that it's easy to see that there is never a time when God has nothing else for you to do, that you have arrived, that you have arrived at an age or a place in your life where he's done, you've finished it all. There are people that I can minister to, and those little ones you saw up here, that maybe some of you can't. Matt Stanton and the gentleman that run the the men's department, they're going to be ministering to guys at the top of Blue Hills at 6.30 in the morning. That's a group of people I can't minister to. The ladies who meet together on Wednesday mornings for that Bible study that have other folks in their community centers and their interactions, I can't reach those people, but they can. The folks that go to the nursing home, who God's given them that, that ability to go speak to the folks at the nursing home, that's a gift. Those are people that I don't, so we all have our own places to do that. And I think we have to always be encouraged not to stop, not to stop looking for where God wants to put us. If you want to take a look, all you need to do is Google some of those lists. That's where I was looking for the whole list. You go through the New Testament and you find those lists. You find a gift inventory, they're called, or you might have it in the back of a book. But I really encourage you, if you've not done that, if you have not looked to see what God made you for, you might be missing out on something really wonderful. But it all starts out by you being willing. You might have Every one of those gifts in that list, and if you're not willing to say yes and you're not willing to step out, then it's not going to matter how many gifts you have. There was a book of stories from the Samaritan's Purse, the book I was reading to you from last year as well, and it's just full of stories from the 20 years of Operation Christmas Child. And there was a story in there of a little woman named Mary, and Mary was from West Virginia, and from the way they made it sound, the middle of nowhere, West Virginia, And she somehow heard Franklin Graham on the radio or on television talking about these boxes, packing a box and where they would go and just being inspired by him. So she took him at his word and she started packing boxes and she started talking to her neighbors and her friends and to anybody who would listen. And it came to the point where she was packing hundreds and hundreds of boxes by herself with her family every year and becoming this local celebrity that everybody knew. And somehow the word got all the way to the White House about this little lady in West Virginia who was doing such a great work. And President Clinton called her to the White House. And she came with her family, and she made Franklin Graham go with her because she didn't want to go to Washington, D.C., the big city, by herself. So she made him come. Franklin Graham talks about having to call the White House and invite himself there. That was an experience. And they all went there together, and she stood in front of the President of the United States and got the opportunity to pray for him and to hand him an empty box. And she handed him that box, and she asked him if he would please fill that for her because she was going to be leaving very shortly for Bosnia with Franklin Graham on a, on a trip to hand these boxes out. And during that time frame, you know that Bosnia was no place you would want to be visiting And yet this lady was going because God said, go, and gave her these talents. And somehow she had those talents to just draw people to her. And so he filled that box and he let her pray with her. And this little lady from West Virginia ended up first in the White House and then in Bosnia handing out gifts to children from very war-torn countries because she was willing. And I guarantee you that that was not what she was thinking about most of the years of her life thinking that she could do such an amazing thing but that was her being willing to do that. And That book is full of so many inspiring stories. I'd really encourage you um, to pick it up and read it. It's just so amazing to see the things that God has done and to know that that's just the first 20 years and to know that we have a part of that ministry. But God has given you gifts. Some of them you know, I'm sure. The children and the videos that you're going to be watching over the weeks, they get these boxes, and if you see them, if you see any of them, they, they're so excited. And they sit there with the boxes, and they do their countdown, and they get ready to open them. And never once will you see a child take that box and just take it home and not open it. It's full of terrific things for them. But if they don't open it, they can't take advantage of them. And you will never not see them open those gifts for sure but you know that those gifts, it goes far beyond the toothpaste and the soap that are in those boxes. It's the opportunity to know Jesus as their Savior that is that everlasting gift. The same way God has given you gifts, and he's given them to you, but they're not going to do you any good. They're not going to do me any good if I don't open them, if I don't allow him to reveal them to me and to know what it is that he wants me to do. If you don't know what they are, ask God to reveal them to you. And I've been praying over the past few days, and this may not be where everyone is this morning, but I think everyone can be, everyone can be encouraged by it. But I feel like there are people in the congregation who you're not sure yet. You're, you're a Christian. Maybe you've been here a long time. Maybe you're new from another church. You've moved here. You may not feel like you have your place just yet you're not sure what God wants you to do. Maybe you've done something for a long time and you feel like God has closed the door on it and you're not sure what that new door is. And so you've been sitting and you've been coming and you've been worshiping and you've been listening. And I've been praying the past few days that God would just really speak to people this morning to encourage them, to give them that that spark just to talk to you, to say, this is what I want you to do right now, right at this moment. These are the gifts that you're not using yet. Back in Ephesians 4, the very beginning of that fourth verse, it talks about grace. And when I was studying this last night, it talked about grace. The verse is grace being given to us from Christ. But the grace that is meant in this verse doesn't have to do with salvation. It has to do with ministry. So the the Greek word that is used here means this grace that we've been given for ministry. So this is for everybody. There There is no one that's left out of this. Christ has given us the grace for ministry. We know that he has a plan for you, and that is my favorite verse, and the kids hear it all the time, that God has a plan for you, and it's a good plan. But he doesn't just have a plan. He's given you grace for ministry not just to exist and not just to live and not just to go about your daily business, but he has given you grace for ministry. And the Apostle Paul is telling us that we have all been given this grace, which means we all have things we ought to be doing for God. I believe that it is important for you to seek God for these gifts, the ones that you haven't opened yet. Let this be the day or the month or the year that you move from being just a disciple or a follower of Christ, knowing that that is no small thing, that is the best thing in the world, having Christ as your Savior. And if you are here this morning and you don't know what that means, and having Christ as your Savior is a concept that you don't understand, then I really hope at, at prayer time you come to the front and you talk to one of us to talk to you about that plan of salvation but for those of you who are followers of Christ, who are disciples, to move to being an apostle, to move to being someone that God can send out. And it doesn't have to be Bosnia, and it doesn't have to be Haiti, and it doesn't have to be overseas. It doesn't have to be Baltimore. It can just be your community. It can be this 300 plus one. Who nearby does God want to send you out to? Who within the church here does God want to send you to as a help? as someone to have fellowship with. God wants to use you for other assignments. And so today I'd like you to stand with me. And as we get ready to close the service, we're not going to be closing the service just to leave. We're going to be closing the service to worship and to pray And the altars are always open for those who are sick and those who have specific needs. And I'd like the the prayer team and the deacons, any of our board members, please to come to the front to help us pray. And so you are welcome to come to the altar for any need that you have because Christ is here and he wants to be the answer to to your problem today, whether it's sin, whether it's sickness, whether it's unemployment. God wants to be that answer for you today, but I also really want those of you who have been sitting here thinking, that's me. She's talking to me. I know God has something else for me. I know that he has someplace else for me, that he wants to send me out to some different places, and I don't know where it is yet. I want you to come. Come. And have somebody pray for you. And if you're not ready to come to the front and have somebody pray, then we're going to just go ahead and have you pray there at your seats. We're not ready to dismiss yet, even though the sermon part is over. I just want to encourage you, take these moments. Take them before the world gets them back. It's still early. Take these moments to pray. If you're here with your spouse and you want to pray together, if you want to come together, if you want to come alone, if you want to sit down and just pray between you and the Lord, but don't leave today without that. Ask God what he has for you. Even if you feel like you're sitting here and you're pretty secure in knowing what God has has given you to do, this is a new beginning this time of the school year. See what he has for you ask him to dedicate those ministries that you're in here. And if there's been something growing on your heart that you know maybe he's leading you into, this is the place to have somebody confirm that for you and pray for you. If we could have the deacons and some folks to come up and pray.
1: To- to Jesus i surrender
0: you this morning as you're praying you can pray in your seat pray with someone near you or come to the front and let the Lord speak to you this morning wherever you are that you surrender your all to him and if you've surrendered your life but you have one thing that you're holding on to there's something in your life you don't want to give that up because you know God has plans for you and that's getting in the middle of it I just encourage you to come now this morning and pray opportunity to join together in worship and in praise. Fathers, we continue to pray at these altars, Lord. We also pray your blessing on the folks who have come here today. We pray your blessing on their families. We pray your blessings on those they come into contact with, Lord. Bring that one to them, Lord, that one that you want to reach through them. Father, as we begin this week and we begin this school year and we begin this new season, Lord, begin a new thing in our lives, whether it's with the talents we already know and the gifts we already know or with new ones you're going to reveal to us. Let us go in fellowship and in peace and in love for one another and in total and complete love for you, Jesus, in your precious name, amen. You're welcome to be dismissed, but we're still open at the altars here for those who want to pray.